This episode contains graphic content that may be disturbing to some viewers. Listener discretion is advised. The day began with a dead chicken. And that is how today's story begins, so keep listening. But before we get started, I wanted to welcome everyone to the first ever episode of A Cup of Tea with Tess, a new podcast brought to you by Candid Voyage. Here you can find narrated stories about travel and life in general as experienced by yours truly. The written form of these stories, as well as links to all podcast episodes, can be found at candidvoyage.com. So the story I'm going to tell you today took place during my six-month journey across the United States in a converted camper van in the midst of the COVID pandemic. One of the biggest challenges I faced during my travels was finding a safe, quiet, legal place to sleep each night. Contrary to what you might see on Instagram, van life does not always involve living by the ocean and waking up to beautiful sunrises and birds chirping every morning. Don't get me wrong, there were plenty of occasions when fantasy did meet reality and this did happen, but there were also plenty of nights when I found myself sleeping in a Walmart parking lot or stealth camping on a street. Definitely some scenarios that didn't really fit with my dream of driving off into the wide open American landscape like John Steinbeck in Travels with Charlie. So I was happy to discover something called Harvest Host pretty early on in my travels. If you haven't heard of it, Harvest Host is basically an app that hooks up travelers with landowners. And for a small annual fee, you get access to private land all over the country. And not only was this a great way to find places to sleep, but I also met some really interesting people and I had some very cool experiences along the way. I boondocked at a winery in Georgia where I unexpectedly attended a private outdoor Jimmy Buffett concert. I stayed at a monkey sanctuary in Florida where I helped care for the primates, treated the owner's dog for seizures, and left with a job offer. I woke up in the dead of the night at a farm in South Carolina to the mating calls of peacocks, thinking that I was about to be abducted by aliens. If you've never heard the sound, I suggest you Google it. But those are stories for another day. Today I'm here to tell you about a Harvest Host location nestled in the stark and desolate landscape of middle Wyoming. We will call this place Sunset Ranch, and I'll change the names of the people involved just out of respect for their privacy. It is here where owners, Richard and Laura, longtime cattle ranchers from the West Coast, recently purchased a plot of land with the goal of producing healthy, organic food via sustainable farming methods and ethical animal production. Their website boasted an interactive experience for visitors, a way to see firsthand what happens during the often elusive farm-to-table process. Now, this was definitely a topic that piqued my interest, and so I planned my visit with every intention of utilizing my time at the ranch as a learning experience. Long story short, I was headed to Sunset Ranch to get some answers. As I mentioned earlier, the day began with a dead chicken. It's worth mentioning that it also ended with a dead chicken, the events of that day breathing life into the phrase, all things come full circle, But I don't want to get ahead of myself now, so I'll start from the beginning and work my way around. The early morning sun cast a harsh shadow over the wide-open Wyoming landscape as I made my way through the knee-high sagebrush, working to catch up with a lanky figure in the distance. 
The boy standing at the far end of the pasture was clad in a plaid shirt and baseball cap. Narrow shoulders slumped, hands shoved into jean pockets. He was staring at a chicken coop with a level of attention out of context for someone looking at a bunch of domesticated birds. He turned, and when he noticed me approaching, he stumbled back from the enclosure and began waving his arms frantically. Don't come any farther! There's been an incident! His adolescent voice cracked, the last word barely more than a squeak. I paused and placed my hand over my eyes to shield them from the sun, trying to make out the cause of his distress. It's okay. Whatever it is, I'm sure I can handle it, I called out. The kid looked doubtful, but said nothing as I continued to approach. I reached the coop and quietly took in the grisly sight that greeted me. Blood-stained feathers stuck out haphazardly from between the wires of the pen. Two chickens stood huddled in a corner, murmuring to one another and eyeing us suspiciously, while a third, less fortunate creature lay sprawled on its back on the far side. The poor thing had been filleted open, its innards now spilling onto the grass and gathering flies. I realized I was looking at a murder scene. It's okay, I've seen worse, I said, staring at the dead bird while the kid stared at me, probably wondering who the hell I was. Sorry, my name's Tess. I'm a veterinarian and a guest here at the ranch. Richard told me I should come find you in the pasture and help with morning chores. The kid offered me a crooked, shy smile in return and told me that his name was Jason. I'm just the intern, he admitted, self-consciously pushing an unruly patch of hair out of his dark eyes. He couldn't have been more than 16. I gently suggested that we head back to ranch headquarters to share our discovery with someone in charge, and he nodded, gesturing toward an old tractor sitting in the weeds nearby. We hopped in, and as he revved the engine and let up on the clutch, we jolted backwards so fast I went flying back into the sagebrush. Ah, fuck, I'm sorry. Jason peered over the side of the machine to make sure I was okay, his face now a bright crimson color that matched his plaid shirt. No one really taught me how to drive this thing. I laughed and jumped up, dusting myself off. It's okay. Maybe just go a little easier on that clutch. I pulled myself back onto the tractor. This time I held on firmly as we lurched and reeled our way unceremoniously back through the pasture. Back at the ranch, we discussed the chicken massacre over hot coffee and a hearty breakfast. The general consensus was that a fox was the culprit, given the state of the victim, the size of the gaps in the fence, and the lack of destruction to the pen. Richard took the news with a sigh and a shrug. That's life on the ranch, he lamented before the conversation turned to the endless list of duties for the day. Next up on the agenda, time to move some cattle. In the time it took to eat breakfast, the endless blue sky of the morning had transformed into a menacingly deep shade of gray. A wind stirred the grass and whipped fiercely at my legs as we headed out to the pickup truck. A fierce rain began to fall, giant droplets attacking the windshield, just as we all piled into the vehicle. I was getting a crash course in the fickle nature of Wyoming weather. My company for this mission consisted of Jason a ranch hand named Chad, and Richard's son, John. Chad, a tanned and toned California native, pointed at the colorful rocks lining the road as we drove. So many great rocks out there. I really have to do some prospecting. He leaned forward in his seat, eyes shining. His cowboy hat perched atop a mop of curly black hair, Wrangler jeans tucked into suspiciously shiny cowboy boots. Those rocks, they carry energy, man. And you know what's crazy? 
They can even change our energetic makeup. John nodded enthusiastically. He too was wearing Wrangler jeans and boots, though I noticed that his outfit boasted a bit more wear and tear. You were right, Chad. I've been putting that quartz under my pillow every night, and I've been sleeping like a baby. He turned to me and grinned. And if I want really good dreams, I make it a rose quartz. I glanced back at Jason in the rearview mirror and caught him rolling his eyes. After the incident with the chicken, he confessed to me that he's only here because of some poor decisions he made back home. His parents, not really sure what to do with this brooding and rebellious teenager, had packed him up and sent him to Wyoming for the summer, reasoning that a little fresh air and manual labor would be just what he needed to set his troubled mind back on track. Ah, the power of the open range and the great outdoors. As we turned from one dusty road to another, the conversation veered from the energetic capabilities of rocks to even more thought-provoking subjects. Apparently, a giant femur, probably belonging to a million-year-old T-Rex, was recently discovered in close proximity to the ranch. Chad asked John what his dad thought of the discovery. Before answering, John turned to me and explained that his dad was one of those new-age Christians who doesn't believe in the existence of dinosaurs. We really don't ever talk about it, John shrugged, his eyes on the road. But if you ask me, I think it's all possible. Adam, Eve, dinosaurs, Big Bang. After all, time is relative, isn't it? Why do we need to line everything up in a succinct time frame? Who says dinosaurs and the Garden of Eve couldn't have occurred at the same time in different planes of existence? It's all possible, if you think about it. The cab grew silent as we all contemplated the possibilities. Even Jason stopped rolling his eyes. By the time we arrived at our destination, a stunning blue had once again forced its way through the clouds, and as quickly as it all began, the rain and wind were replaced by an almost chilling stillness. We approached the designated pasture, and I peered out over the prairie grass and sagebrush at a small cluster of cows grazing quietly. John, who I'd been following, stopped suddenly, also staring at the animals. How many cows do you have? I asked. John cleared his throat. throat) Uh, We currently have 138 head, he replied confidently, leaning back slightly on his heels, thumbs hooked in his belt loops. I looked out again and counted six docile creatures, lazily chewing their cud and flicking their heavy heads back toward their flanks to ward off some flies. So where are the rest? John cleared his throat again and squared his shoulders back as far as they would go. I have no idea. And with that, my day took on another unexpected turn. We began walking the perimeter of the pasture, searching for any clue as to the missing cattle's whereabouts. Broken fence, hoof prints, fresh cow dung, anything that might tell us where the 132 animals might have gone. Don't you guys have any horses? I inquired casually on our second trip around. The sun had hit its peak in the sky and was emanating a powerful heat. I felt the unpleasant sensation of sweat trickling down my spine and swatted at a fly. Dad says he'll teach us to ride someday soon, John replied, his attention focused on the ground, brow furrowed in concentration. Our search did not yield a single clue. There were no breaks in the fence, no open gates, no signs of an escape. It's as if the cows had simply vanished into thin air. Maybe they were abducted by aliens, I suggested, only half-joking, because this was getting weird. Very quietly, so no one could hear, I muttered to myself, and what rancher doesn't know how to ride a horse? 
The search continued. We walked the fence line a total of three times and still found ourselves with no answers and more importantly, no cows. I suggested that we head down the road to look for any signs and my company agreed. My position here had evolved from guest to fellow rancher in the span of a few hours and the superficial facade of strangers was broken. I was now just another member of the crew searching for our cows on foot. A few meters from the fence, my boot suddenly sank into something sickeningly soft, and I looked down to discover that I'd stepped directly into a cow patty. Fresh shit, I exclaimed, pointing out my discovery. They can't be far off. My comrades nodded enthusiastically, and the mood shifted from one of solemn confusion to that of hope. We followed the poop trail down a dusty hill and through a sparsely vegetated field where drilling rigs moved their heads rhythmically up and down, extracting oil from deep underground. Something about the site reminded me of giant prehistoric creatures reaching down to the ground for food, and I thought again of the dinosaurs that once lived here. What had become of them? Now, nothing more than heaps of bones discovered by people who don't even believe they existed. It was there, standing amongst the oil rigs, where we discovered the missing herd. Some of the cows were sleeping, others nibbling on bits of dry grass. They appeared utterly unimpressed as we stumbled toward them, wiping sweat from our brows and fighting to catch a breath. John hooked his thumbs in his belt loops and gave me a quick briefing on how to round up cattle by foot. Apparently there's an art to cowboying without a horse. We split up and worked like a pack of clumsy, bipedal wolves, slowly pushing the cows back toward the pasture. Act like a predator, but don't push too hard, John called out, giving me a thumbs up. I faced the cows with confidence, pacing back and forth as I thought a predator might behave, occasionally clucking softly to dissuade a particularly obstinate member from breaking from the herd. One calf just stopped and stared at me in disbelief. He knew I wasn't a wolf. I could see it in his eyes. But he eventually followed the herd anyway. Hive mentality always wins. It was late afternoon by the time all 132 of the missing cows were back where they belonged. As we made our way back to the truck, dusty, sweaty, and tired, I heard my stomach rumble and was thinking only of what was for dinner when Chad suddenly paused and looked up at the sky. Where do we come from? We all stopped and followed his gaze up to the heavens. I've just been thinking, you know... Scientists have broken down the human body into cells, and atoms, and maybe even pieces of atoms. But most importantly, what they've discovered is that there's actually space between the smallest parts of us. So what you're saying is that we're basically nothing but pixels. John stared down at his hands thoughtfully. (laughs) Totally, man. And there's energy in that pixelated space. We continued back to the truck in silence, the space between our cells suddenly weighed down by the meaning of it all. We arrived back at the ranch just as the sun was beginning to set. It had been a long day, but it wasn't over yet. Richard informed us that we would need to slaughter a chicken for dinner. Chad returned from the enclosure with one of the chickens I had met this morning. He had the creature placed gently under his right arm and was stroking its feathers. Thank you for your sacrifice, he murmured softly. We appreciate your life and this gift to us. The chicken clucked softly and appeared to be falling asleep in his arms. Chad reached out to hand the chicken to Jason, but the rebellious kid from Portland had gone ghostly white and looked like he was either going to drop to the ground or lose his breakfast. So I took a deep breath and stepped up, reaching out with shaky fingers. I'll hold it. Death came swiftly and with mercy. 
a sharp blade to the jugular administered by Chad as I held the fading creature in my arms. Blood spilled on my boots, and as I watched the light slip from the animal's eyes, I stroked its feathers and thought of what might be happening to the energy between its cells. I heard a vehicle approaching down the driveway and looked up to see a minivan full of freshly arrived ranch guests gaping in horror. The poor family, suddenly and unexpectedly faced with that one part of life we never want to see or acknowledge, and now on their family vacation of all places. But in a couple of hours, they would be joining us at the dinner table, absorbing some of this creature's energy in the form of a delicious home-cooked meal, tucking this unsightly memory away in that place where all other scary, inconceivable thoughts go. The room would be filled with laughter, talks of places visited and places yet to go, and the mouth-watering smell of roasted chicken. I feel that I have failed this mission, my dear listeners. Instead of answering any questions, I've only managed to stir up more. Where do we come from? Are we all just pixelated stardust? Tiny fragments of intense energy zipping through the universe at different speeds alongside dinosaurs at the end and beginning of all time, no different than the rocks and the chickens in the sagebrush? And perhaps the most pressing question of all is what really happened to all those cows? I'll just have to accept the fact that I will probably never know. And there you have it, folks, the first ever episode of A Cup of Tea with Tess, a Candid Voyage production. I hope you enjoyed it. If so, please share the love by subscribing, sharing, and following along at CandidVoyage.com and social media accounts. If you'd like to check out the written form of these stories, you can always do so at the website, CandidVoyage.com. In addition, you can find all links to podcast episodes there. Until next time, happy travels, and remember, we are all probably just pieces of pixelated stardust, so don't sweat the small stuff.